podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. Just before we start, I wanted to remind you that you can read our articles, explore more podcasts, and learn about our online personal and management development programs and workshops by visiting our website, www.worldofwork.io. All right, on to the podcast. Hello, this is James. And this is Jane. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. This is our second of our 2020 summer uh, focus on innovation. Um, And today we're speaking about the role of diversity and conflict in innovation. Jane, who are we speaking to today? So today we're talking to our special guest on innovation, uh, Ronnie Rita Pillman, who is a university lecturer and leader of the uh, Industrial and Organizational Psychology course at the University of Nebraska and has spent most of her research life looking at this and related topics. So it should be really interesting. Okay, so here we are in the main body of this podcast, and this is the second of our Summer 2020 trilogy looking at innovation. And today we're going to be exploring sort of a role of diversity and sort of conflict in relation to innovation and and how diversity can foster innovation. Um, And as with episode one, we've got a great guest with us. We've got Ronnie Ryder-Palman. And before we get into the conversation, Ronnie, would you be able to introduce yourself to the audience and say a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure thing. Um, So I'm in, uh, my degree is in organizational psychology. I am at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, and I'm the director of our master's and PhD program in organizational psychology. And I've been studying creativity and innovation for about 30 years. Great. And just as the starter framing question for this, um, what is creativity and innovation and what's the relationship between them? So um, it depends on who you read. There's not um, a fully agreed upon uh, definition um, with regards to the differences between the two. Um, When we talk about creativity, the agreed upon definition, and it's been agreed upon for the last about 40 years, uh, is that creativity is, is a product idea or process that is both um, novel and useful. So it needs to have both components of originality and novelty, as well as, um, you know, it addresses a problem, it's useful, it solves an an issue. Um, With regards to creativity and innovation and and the difference between or the relationship between the two of them, the semi-consensus here is that creativity refers to the early part of the process where we develop ideas. And the innovation refers to the latter part of the process where we select from the ideas that we have and implement them. Cool. But that's a really helpful framing. I think it's great to consider creativity and innovation in, in that sort of continuum. It's a really helpful, um, helpful way to think about it. Um, as a starting question, some people say that there's no such thing as a new idea. You know, everyone is standing on the shoulders of giants and all, all that kind of stuff. What do you think about that as a statement? Is it it's is there such a thing as a new idea? Absolutely, there are new ideas. It doesn't now two things. First of all, um, we have to have some basis to develop new ideas from. Uh, one of the consistent findings in the creativity and innovation literature is that you have to have some degree of expertise to be creative. You have to have knowledge of the field. Um, some creativity and or some innovations are smaller in magnitude and, and maybe move things forward just a little bit. 
we call those, um, in, it, we treat those as incremental creativity. And then we have radical creativity, which really shifts things around and changes potentially a field, right? Um, those are rare. Uh, most of the stuff that we do is incremental. And, and when we think about, I guess, that mixture of incremental and, and radical creativity, one of the things that, that we've explored in the past is the idea that sort of interdisciplinary work and, and diversity of, uh, of people, I guess, contributes to that, that process of creativity and innovation. How does that happen? Could you just explore a little bit what role diversity plays in creativity and innovation? Sure. Um, so when we talk about diversity in the workplace, we differentiate between um, demographic diversity, so teams that are diverse in terms of gender or race or ethnicity, um, age, and so on, versus uh, functional diversity, where teams have diversity in terms of their expertise, job function, knowledge areas, uh, educational background, and so forth. Um, the best research that we have, which is based on a, a meta-analysis, so it's a, an accumulation of, of all the research that has been done to date. Um, it's getting old. It was conducted in 2009, so uh, since then there's been more research. But at that point in time, the finding was that demographic diversity doesn't really do a whole lot in terms of team creativity. It doesn't affect it positively or negatively. Functional diversity has a big effect and it is positive. So teams that are functionally diverse uh, tend to be more creative. And when we're talking about functional diversity, are the teams that are most, um, I guess, creative and innovative, are they from similar functions or are they from sort of radically different functions and backgrounds? Um, so teams that are creative have functional diversity, meaning they they have different backgrounds. They come in from different departments, represent different aspects of the organization, have different uh, job functions, uh, and have different educational backgrounds. But I guess having proximate functions. So for example, if I think about financial services, if you had maybe corporate finance and retail finance together, that would be fairly close in terms of their backgrounds. Is it better to have a broader swipe? So would it be better to have somebody like, you know, corporate finance with maybe um, facilities management or, or at what stage and, and what sort of differential do you think contributes to this? Um, so again, the what we're finding is that if the goal is to come up with innovation, having different people with different functions in the organization that are removed from one another, but all have a stake in uh, uh, the product or the idea, um, it's best to have them together. So if we're planning a new product, uh, we need to have, let's say, the software engineers or the engineers that are working on the product, the developers. But it's also useful to think about what happens when it goes to production. It would be useful to have the, the uh, production, somebody from production. How do we market this? Who do we market this? So we may want to have somebody from marketing. Do we need to bring in new people to uh, develop this product? Maybe we need somebody from HR um, and so on. Yeah, nice. Okay, so so that bringing together of people. Um, 
And in, in the work I've done before, we've spoken about things like product journeys and, and trying to bring people together who affect the entire life cycle of that journey. Is that a, the type of phrase that you've come across in this space? Yeah, um, not necessarily that particular phase, but it, it really means the same thing. It's when you bring, you know, if, if you have, if you need to touch or help in the, the journey of the product, absolutely, you should be in the room when things are happening. Yeah. And my understanding is that from, if we think about sort of innovations throughout history and, and points of history, there have been moments where we've got this uh, intersectionality or interdisciplinary uh, sort of melting pot of people from a wide range of different disciplines and backgrounds that have sort of fostered creative movements and spaces. Is that something that you've seen in, in the wider world as well? Yeah, um, you know, and it's not necessarily even big changes. Uh, I was involved in a project looking at, um, in, in the hospitals, looking at how we can reduce patient falls. So patient falls in hospitals apparently are really dangerous. Um, yes. and, and they cost a hospital a lot of money if, if they break some a leg or an arm or a hip or, you know, and, and in this particular project, we have even had a couple of death cases due to a fall. So obviously reducing patient falls is something hospitals are interested in. And what we found was that when we put together interdisciplinary teams, so typically we think about a patient fall as something that a nurse is responsible for, right? Because they're there to, to kind of help the patient. But when we started to put together interdisciplinary teams to work with the uh, with the falls and suggest uh, innovations to the hospital on, on how to reduce falls. The best teams were made up of uh, interdisciplinary, uh, that were they were interdisciplinary in nature. So we had the nurses, but we also had physical therapists and pharmacists. Um, it, some of the hospitals pulled in their uh, their services people. So, you know, basically the instructions were if, if you're delivering a meal to the patient and they're outside of their bed and they're not supposed to, you need to call a nurse immediately. Those hospitals saw a huge reduction in patient falls. Wow. It's, um, it's, it's like you say, it's not always the big and the, and the grand that makes the most significant difference. Um, I'm really interested, just going back to what you were talking about there, uh, about having interdisciplinary teams because um, I guess I've, I've myself been a member of a team in both scenarios and I've seen sort of some, some useful and some not so helpful behaviors. But what do you think when you bring these groups together and they have different views, different contexts, different opinions, but also likely different motivations, what, what happens? Like, is it, will you see a different process when you get a more intersectional or interdisciplinary team? Absolutely. So homogeneous teams tend to be easier to work with initially because people are similar. They immediately are able to understand one another better or at least have the feeling that they do. Right. Um, whereas if people um, are different from one another, we have that hurdle of difference to get over. Um, you know, in my own work, when I've worked with interdisciplinary teams, and I've done quite a bit of it, and I'm a big fan, I found that it sometimes can take up to six months to start to feel comfortable in a team. Not just because we're very different, but we also use language very differently. So we sometimes describe the same phenomena using very different words. 
or we use the same word to describe two different things. And knowing that and understanding that and not being afraid to ask for clarifications or realizing that you're talking about the same thing in different ways um, is important. Yeah, that makes to- total sense when you when you describe it like that. In fact, I can think back to many experiences I've had in uh, development rooms where we've been talking and turned out to be violently agreeing about the same thing, but just not necessarily known our own language. Um, do you do you think that that friction that can sometimes exist with people coming from different perspectives is is important? Do you think that helps? I, I think it can be very beneficial. Um, you know, in when we talk about conflict and disagreement, we differentiate between what we call task conflict and relational conflict. Task conflict is when we disagree about how to do something, what the task is, uh, how should we solve the problem. Relational conflict is when we just don't like the person, right? And what we're finding very clearly is that relational conflict is really bad for creativity and innovation. So when people don't like each other, when they're, you know, to the point where they're not nice to each other, that's not helpful. Um, When we talk about task conflict, uh, it seems that task conflict helps creativity because what we do is we start to discuss the problem. And when teams are successful, what they do is they use that discussion to integrate different perspectives and come up with a more complex solution. And that makes that makes total sense. And it just you saying all of that uh, sort of has led me to just reflecting. Do you see um, a different appetite to risk as being important in having? Uh, a diverse group of people coming up with uh, sort of trying to innovate or create? Is that is that helpful or is that hindering, do you think? Um, that's a really good question and something we have not done research on. So I'm going to speculate here that if people have different perceptions of risk, um, they're going to disagree on an appropriate solution because of the risk perception, right? So there's going to be some people that are willing to take a bigger risk and come up with a bolder, more creative idea. And there are going to be others that are going to try to push for the less risky, maybe tried and true idea. Um, and and that could lead to, to conflict. And that's a conflict that's difficult to uh, bridge over. Um, but again, I have no research to back it up. Yeah, no, no. And I think it's interesting you mentioned that there's no research because I, ages ago, I was quite interested in this idea from a very specific perspective and I had a little look and I couldn't find anything, but I also know that I'm probably not the best at looking at this stuff. And the reason <laughs> I was asking was, I guess, when I've when I've seen diverse teams coming at problems in different ways, I've often exa- seen exactly what you've described, you know, this idea of playing with ideas and thinking about things differently and it being really helpful. But where I've seen, for example, communications management managers being in the room who are nervous about the risk of um, new ideas or something that's not, as you described, tried and tested, I've seen the teams shrink back from being taking that risk because someone's been so uh, had such adversity to to taking risks. And I just it, it make it strikes me that there is some conflict that can be helpful and some that can't sort of can be sort of almost derailing what how do you know the difference how do you get get it right that you've got uh, 
uh, a healthy, diverse team that's creating the good kind of conflict? That's a really tough question because we also know that even good conflict, if there's too much of it, can turn bad. Right. So it's 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 a Goldilocks problem. Right. You just have to have the right amount. Not enough is not good. Too much can be problematic. And, and where that middle ground is, is difficult to ascertain. Um, so we're still working on it. We're still trying to figure out how, how to, to manage that. Uh, again, I think the role of the leader is, is really critical here um, in, in the sense of both pushing, if, if creativity is what the organization wants and the leader wants, pushing the team towards uh, um, uh, taking more risks on the one hand, uh, but also managing the conflict and ensuring that it doesn't get out of hand. So that kind of positions the leader in some senses as more like a almost an artist as opposed to a scientist where they're trying to use what they know to be true, the evidence of, you know, the, the right level of conflict, the Goldilocks perfect bed, if you will, and and trying to find that sweet spot amongst their team as their team are moving, changing, reacting to each other. Is that, do you think that's, is that the hardest part of all of this from a leadership perspective, finding that balance? Um, I think leaders of creative teams have multiple issues of finding the right balance um, in, in the team. Um, that is one of them. Uh, but I think in general, leaders of creative teams have uh, multiple balances that they need to deal with. So another example is that creative people tend to be very individualistic. Um, and persistent and pushy. That's how you get ideas done um, or, or work done. Um, but that doesn't always translate to good teamwork. So you need to balance the need for individual level creativity with team level creativity and working well as a team. Um, so there's a, a number of those where the leader has to kind of balance two conflicting demands. Um, and it makes it incredibly difficult to be a leader of a creative team. Yeah, I have to say you're not you're not painting this the easiest job in the world. It sounds pretty tough. Um, does it? I'm assuming that also means that some uh, is there a, is there a marked difference between cre- the sort of create, creative people's appetite or comfort with conflict? Like, are they all? Do you find generally that they're more comfortable disagreeing, or is does it vary depending on? Uh, depending on other factors? Um, Overall, uh, the research on personality and and creativity suggests that uh, creative people are less agreeable in general. Um, They tend to be slightly arrogant. Um, They, as I said, they're they're kind of persistent uh, because what we find is that if, you know, creative ideas don't always succeed at the first try, if you're not persistent, won't happen. Um, and that's not the most flattering picture. That's not an easy person to get along with. No, no. I, but I guess, I guess it's. Does that mean that if you are, if you are less agreeable in in sort of personality terms, does that mean that you may also be more un? And this is reaching potentially more understanding when other people are less agreeable too. So do creatives understand each other better in that space and then find it difficult when they have to going back to your idea you know the concept of an interdisciplinary team is that is that another potential source of conflict where the some of the creators are more potentially more comfortable around being 
less agreeable and yet maybe some of the other team find that harder to navigate that's a potential on the other hand they could also be um, less agreeable because they think they're right and therefore less understanding of other people right um yeah 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 do you know what in all of in all of my thinking i hadn't thought thought of that very simple fact that if you're dealing with a bunch of people who all think they're right then it's pretty difficult to get them to sort of think their way through a problem yeah you know i i was going to comment on that and, and i was going to say it seems like a lot of what what's being discussed here is about creativity and and being wedded to your own ideas and believing them and, and turning that creativity into innovation through perseverance and, and effort to drive things over do you see that being sort of exclusively true or do, or do you see there being people who have a lot of creativity but maybe are, are sort of less uh less locked into their ideas more offering them lightly to a group and, and less um driven to implement them and see their solutions succeed um i don't know that people are so yes, some people are not going to be very persistent, right? So they're going to offer an idea. It's a creative idea. It's going to be ignored and they're not going to push. And when that happens, the losses of the, you know, the organization ends up losing, right? In the end. Um, you know, if you write a masterpiece and put it in your desk drawer and nobody ever sees it, we lost that too. Um, it's, so it's problematic and, and we have to find ways to allow those people that may have good ideas but are not as persistent or pushy to shine in a group environment. And that's part of that, uh, of feeling comfortable in the group. You know, some of these people may never even speak up. Yeah. So we need to create an environment where people feel comfortable speaking up and then where people are actually listening and not too wedded to their own idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so much listening time is spent waiting for your own opportunity to speak in certain environments, isn't it, right? I mean, that's what mm -hmm. some people see listening to be. Um, if we if we sort of think a little bit about what we can do to to take advantage of or, or grow some of this diversity, um, what, what do you think leaders can do, you know, of smaller organizations or teams to to bring more diversity to the work that they do. Is there anything anything you'd suggest that they could do to increase the diversity they have? First of all, awareness, right? Knowing that diversity is important, um, that, however, that team diversity can lead to some difficulties, particularly early on, is important. So if you have a diverse team, you want to build in time for team members to get to know each other and feel more comfortable um, discussing uh, the topics and not just jump right in into the work. Um, thinking about, thinking carefully about who should be in the room, who should be part of the team, um, who are we leaving out, who did not, who is relevant that we didn't ask. It's always hard to know what you don't know. So asking other people, you know, are there other people that I'm not thinking about that need to be included? Um, and then making sure that the environment is, is one where people feel comfortable discussing. Um, and one of the things that um, I, I use occasionally when I have a very diverse team is the notion of electronic brainstorming um, or uh, because this allows people to move away from, oh, I can't say anything, but I'm not listening because I'm busy thinking about what I want to say next. Um, everybody has the opportunity to um, 
throw out their ideas altogether. Um, in addition, a lot of the tools that we have for electronic brainstorming, electronic brainstorming can allow for uh, anonymity, which means that people are not aware of who suggested what. So if there are any hierarchical differences, um, issues with race or gender and so forth that might creep up, uh, those are taken care of as well. Some of that anonymity sounds like it, it could potentially be a huge benefit within this. Um, when we think about, you know, this bringing together diversity uh, in teams like this, one of, the, one of the things I can imagine somebody saying would be, we don't have time to bring these people together and to create teams and to do all that. What, what would you say in response to that? I think it depends on how important creativity and innovation are for the organization. If it's important, you, you find the time. You, if it matters, it happens. Uh, what you're really saying is that this is not important enough. Yeah. And I guess it it's, goes partly back as well to that understanding of, of what this brings in the long run. I think some people think that if you just ask people to work harder, they'll be more creative, right? Yeah. And, and, and I'm not sure that always works. No, it usually doesn't. Uh, tired people don't tend to be very creative. Um, w- one of the things that we see is that stress typically, that time pressure always hinders creativity. Um, there are certain cases where, you know, everybody likes to say, oh, but look at things like, you know, the old series MacGyver, right, where you come up with all these oh, yes, yes. Uh, neat tricks of different ways of using duct tape or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes when we're under pressure, we rise to the occasion and, and can come up with really cool ideas. But most of the time, most of us don't manage that very well and we tend to um under stress and pressure revert to what we know best which is not creative yeah Yeah. i know that i for one fixate on the same idea over and over again when i'm particularly under time pressure and and struggle to to bring new things in but that might just be that might just be me um if we think about people who are listening who are maybe individuals in teams is there anything that they can do to to while maybe not broadening the you know the diversity of a team as such, to broaden their, I guess, the stimulus and the inputs that they bring, does, does that help with creativity as an individual? Can you do things like that? Absolutely. So one of the things that we find is that many creative ideas come from combining thing, ideas from different areas, different fields, um, borrowing from one area to another. So, for example, the invention of Velcro is okay. based on a plant. And so uh, I can't even remember the inventor's name, but he was taking a walk and noticed this plant that was sticking to his clothes and looked at it and went, you know, this is this is really cool. And and, um, why is this happening? And at that point in time, Velcro was invented. Um, And there are a number of examples of that nature where. We take something from one domain and apply it to another domain to come up with, with a creative idea. So if you put together a team where people have different expertise and different knowledge areas, by listening carefully to what other people have to say and what they do, you can take their ideas, combine them with your ideas, and make something better. Um, but that requires you to understand that this can happen. and also be um, uh, aware that we don't always understand the conversation of, of the other person. Uh, as I mentioned, it's easy to sometimes think we understand when we don't or disagree when, when, when we're in fact agreeing. 
Um, and being aware of that and having the patience of asking follow-up questions and making sure that you truly understand, I think can help. And when it comes back to that sort of conflict stage that comes out of this, you know, if you're there and you've got your idea and, and maybe you don't understand or you don't realize that you're in, in alignment with others, is there anything you could do to get better with that, that sort of interaction, that sort of constructive conflict phase with others? What, what, what helps people um, be more comfortable and more effective in those environments, do you think? Um, I think a certain degree of humility, to be honest. I don't know how you teach that. Um, but I, I think realizing that the issues and problems that we typically try to solve with an interdisciplinary team are, are much bigger. The reason we have an interdisciplinary team is because not every sing, any single discipline has full knowledge. Um, if you approach it from that perspective, and realize that you may not have all the answers, you're more likely to listen carefully to what other people are saying. That's good. So that, that humility is um, something that pops up in a few places. So I think that's a, that's a great sort of message to, to end this on. So I think we're going to wrap up this conversation. Um, just before we close off, though, is there anything that people could do to learn more about you and the work that you do or get in touch? Absolutely. Find me on Twitter and um, I'm happy to chat. Great. Okay. Well, we'll share your details. Um, so thank you very much for taking part in the conversation. Thank you. Okay. So you are back in the room with us. That was our conversation with Ronnie about the role of diversity and conflict uh, in innovation. Um, Jane, did you have any thoughts or takeaways from that episode? Oh, yes, James, I've got thoughts. Uh, so interest. So I, you, you heard me ask her in, in the conversation about what happens with people's attitudes and appetites for risks. And I think she talked quite quite eloquently about um, how you try and get the balance right between who you have in the room and really deciding that. And I think you have to you have to test and you have to not be afraid to then have people not in the room in the future. And the reason I, I say that is because I think I think that absolutely, for example, it can be really important to have marketing in the room. But I also think that sometimes if too many people are telling you why it might not work, even if the research tells you it will. But what they're actually saying is we don't know how to make this work. So we don't know how we're going to market this. So maybe we shouldn't do it this way. And I think that can be challenging in uh, sort of stifling creativity. So uh, I I absolutely get the importance of diversity and conflict but I all and interdisciplinary teams. But I equally absolutely get what she was saying about the idea that it's a really fine balance and too much conflict is a massive problem. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in that space and particularly around the sort of artistry needed to manage that team structure and those team dynamics so that everyone can contribute and you get that right right amount of tension and conflict that helps you progress without drifting into some of the negative aspects that, that appear. Yeah, um, I, I, always th I always think about, um, and I don't know a lot about leadership in the creativity space, but I always think about them as conductors. Like, how do you get the right input from every different artist in order to create something that works really well together? Yeah, that's a nice, a nice image there. One of the things that stood out for me in here was this, this sort of reflection that even as individuals, moving ideas from one area to another, um, sort of intellectually, can can help us uh, be more creative and innovative. And and for me, this seems somehow relevant to some of the conversations that we've had or, or changes that we've seen in, in certain job markets where we really drive for deep 
specialist knowledge and, and reduce some of the, the role of uh, semi-generalist individuals. Um, and I think that there's a real advantage to having multiple lines of interest and being able to pull those together and find insights and similarity and, and that sort of enrichment that that um, breadth of interest can bring to roles, I think is important. And I know that's not for everyone, but I think there's something of relevance in, in that um, in that desire for breadth of knowledge. So that was a, a reflection for me. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Well, I think that brings us to the end of uh, this episode. For those of you who've enjoyed this, don't forget to check out the other two episodes that we recorded with the same guest, um, all around the space of innovation. Uh, don't forget you can find us on Twitter uh, or you can find us on LinkedIn. We love to have a chat, get in touch. Um, and other than that, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Hi. Thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.